0: Last week, Pastor Josh flashed forward a little bit to tell us where the Apostle Paul fits into the whole story of Acts. But today we're going to go back to Peter and John. The first three chapters of the book of Acts form a story that Luke is telling us about the Holy Spirit. Chapter 1 was waiting for the Holy Spirit. And chapter 2 was the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then chapter 3 starts the apostles spreading out into Jerusalem and going empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to remind you that we're doing a real big zoomed out uh, story overview of the book of Acts. So go and read this for yourself. You're going to find so much more. The moving of the Holy Spirit is rippling out from this group of people into their community and then eventually to the ends of the earth. And we'll see a pattern of miracles and healings that open the door for the apostles to preach the gospel to them. And these miracles and signs were not the point. They pointed people to Jesus. And the church is growing and things are exciting we're going to see in the next few chapters that opposition comes at the beginning of chapter 3 peter and john are headed to pray at the temple and they're stopped by a man who was disabled he couldn't walk and this man every day would be carried to sit outside of the temple and beg for money so that he might be able to eat and verse 4 says that peter directed his gaze towards this lame beggar, which is not always what we want to do, right? Sometimes we want to look away from those people in need. But the man asks Peter and John for some money to help him. And Peter says this in verse 6 of chapter 3. And we'll be in chapter 3 all, all morning here. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Peter says, look, I can do better than a few coins that will help you just for a day or two. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he did. And this man had been lame since his birth. Everybody outside the temple knew him. And everybody that had passed into that temple knew that it was no secret that he couldn't walk. So the man walks into this temple with Peter and John, and they praise God. And the people inside are just astounded. They're floored. They've known this guy for a long time. They probably helped him with a few dollars here and there. In verse 11, it says that the people in the temple are utterly astounded. This sign of God working just happened. And God has their attention. So now's the time to get up and preach the gospel. And Peter Peter goes up and he preaches a 14-verse sermon. Peter tells him, look, we didn't do this with our own power. God empowered us to help this man walk. And that same God sent Jesus. And he did miracles just like this. But you denied him. You killed the author of life, God in the flesh, but God raised him up from the dead. And Peter says, we saw it. And it's through this power of Jesus that this man has been made whole again. Then Peter gets real. He says, look, you rejected Christ. But the time has come to repent and turn back from your sins so that they may be blotted out. Peter says, Look, in this temple, you study the prophets, Moses, Samuel, and Abraham, and all the others. And they told you that the Messiah was coming. And you have seen him. But you rejected him. But God raised him from the dead. Accept him today. And you can have healing from your sin disease, just like this lame man was made able to walk again. Well, Jesus had told the apostles, the disciples, that if they persecute me they're going to persecute you and this is about to come true in this passage see sin the flesh and the devil don't want to give up control of people and when the holy spirit starts working and god starts doing things sometimes things get hard we saw something crazy happen at the oscars this year right Chris Rock made a joke about Jada Smith, and it hurt her feelings, and Will Smith got up and slapped him. The whole situation was complicated by the fact that Will Smith was slated to have the biggest night of his career. But there was some wisdom that came out of that interaction from Denzel Washington. He told Will Smith, right after that slap, he said, In your highest mountains, be careful, because that's when the devil for you and i think there's so much truth in that and the early church felt that right here things were going amazing people's lives were being changed you would think everybody would be excited about that the church was growing the church members were active and bold and in unity and it was amazing so everybody's going to be excited right but things were about to get hard There's always some people that sit on the outside and they grumble about it. And we see that. Peter probably thought when he preached this sermon that people would react like they did at Pentecost, right? And everybody would be happy about it. But the religious leaders did not like Jesus' preaching. And they do not like Peter coming into their temple with a healed man telling everybody about Jesus. They had thought they'd fix their Jesus problem. But in his death and resurrection, this thing was just getting started. So the priests who were on temple duty at that time and the Sadducees, which was more of a political body, and the captain of the temple, which is basically the temple police, they're all very annoyed. You come in here and you're ruining what we've got going on with this healed man and talking about Jesus. So much so that they threw Peter and John in prison because they were supposedly disturbing the peace in the temple. You're messing everything up with these changed lives. You're not doing it the way that we think you should do it. Acts 4.3. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of men that came uh, to about 5,000... Killing Jesus didn't stop this movement. And throwing Peter and John into prison didn't work either. People got saved. And because of this miracle and this message, the church now numbered 5,000. And that's just the men, it says. It wasn't easy, but God was working. And even when people see the persecution that Peter is facing, they are still drawn by the Holy Spirit and decide to repent and put their faith in Jesus. So Peter and John had their trial the next day. And many of those same leaders, it says, that had pushed for Jesus' crucifixion were there. And Peter may have denied Christ before the crucifixion out of fear of these same men, but after the resurrection and the filling of the Holy Spirit, it changed Peter. And he gets to tell these men how this Jesus that they killed is still alive and working. I imagine Peter's chest fills with emotion and his eyes begin to tear up as he proclaims Jesus to these men that had put him to death. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man. But what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all you Peter says, look, Jesus never did anything wrong. He only helped and loved people, and he's still doing it now. That same one that you crucified, God raised from the dead, and he is the one that healed this man and saved these people. And if you want salvation, you will have to put your faith in Jesus as well. This has to be like a bad dream for these religious leaders, right? Not Jesus again. We thought we'd fix this problem. But the more they persecute Jesus and his followers, the more they grow. And these rulers and elders look at Peter and John and they're confused. They're like, how are these common, uneducated fishermen getting up in front of us and talking like this? They could tell they had been around Jesus. But here's the problem. They couldn't deny this miracle of this uh, 40-year-old man that had been lame from birth walking again so they tell peter and john instead stop talking about jesus okay we get it there was a miracle happened whatever whatever stop talking about jesus already isn't it crazy that at this point these men don't start rethinking their stance on jesus but pride and stubbornness blind us pride and stubbornness make us feel like we are right And sometimes we can go against things that God is doing, and we think we're in the right because of pride and stubbornness. And that's what happens. But Peter and John make it clear that they can't not talk about Jesus. These leaders tried to threaten them, but Peter and John knew who they served, and they were compelled to follow Christ alone. So they're released from prison. The Jewish leaders didn't know what else to do with them. the apostles head back to their friends and, and told them everything. And they lifted up their voices and they prayed together. They prayed for boldness against threats. They prayed for power to proclaim the gospel together. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the earth was shaken around them. And they continued to be bold in their witness, even in the face of persecution, even in the face of hardship. The early church was together and in unity, and they shared themselves and what they had, and none of them were needy. People were selling land and giving the proceeds to the church to help out the needy. God was moving. Everything was going great. But again, in the highest moments, the devil attacked, and this time it was from the inside. Chapter 5, verse 1. If You'll turn there. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. and With his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. You see these two church members seeing everybody else in unity and the Holy Spirit is moving people to do big things and people are being changed and the kingdom of God is moving forward and Ananias and Sapphira wanted in on some of that attention. So they sell a piece of land and they tell the church that they gave all the proceeds to the cause, but really they lied and they had kept back a portion for themselves Verse 3, but Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, it didn't it remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. And when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. So soon after, the same thing happened to Sapphira, his wife, who was in on it as well. Now, when Ananias owned this land, nobody forced him to sell it. He wasn't required to give the church all the money. The sin was that he lied to God and he lied to the church in order to look more spiritual and to lift himself up. This is the first instance of church discipline in the Bible. Many times in the Bible, the first time something is mentioned sets the stage for how God feels about it. God is not okay with people who lift themselves up as spiritual leaders while there's hidden sin in their lives. They lie to God. And this passage is a warning for each of us to search our own hearts for hypocrisy. And never to lie to God about our commitments or to seek out spiritual clout, to be puffed up, to be in the front. We don't like stories like this. They don't happen often. But we do need to know that God takes sin seriously and God takes his church seriously. God was doing something amazing in Jerusalem through this church. People are getting healed. The enemy was on the run. People are getting saved. But Ananias and Sapphira wanted to make it about them. Look at us. Look what we're doing. Look what I'm capable of. We want some of the attention here. Why is nobody looking at us? We can look at this and think, man, why is God so harsh here? Or we can look at it the correct way and say, why is God so merciful with my sin? We're all hypocrites at times. And each of us fake it until we make it spiritually sometimes. And each of us forget that we are just sinners and we deserve hell and that's it. And everything else is God's grace and mercy. We need to be reminded of these things or else we will buy into our own hype and look down on others and think we're better than some people might even see people do things for God and think, that should be me. Look at me. Our hearts always drift towards ourself and our way. Our heart is deceitful. And that's why we can meet some of the meanest people in church sometimes. People that all they do is talk about what's important to them and what their opinion and agenda is. It's easy for us to look like a Christian, and to talk like a Christian, and to sing like a Christian, and still be full of self and sin on the inside. A story like Ananias and Sapphira is sobering. It ought to call us to check ourselves, to make sure that we're aren't over-spiritualizing ourselves and putting on airs in front of the church, but on the inside we're holding things back and we're full of bitterness and we're full of sin. Things that we know that God wants to change in us. We need to check our motives. And that's what happens here in the first church as well. Each person in this church sees how seriously God takes it when hypocrisy creeps into the church and they look inside themselves and investigate with fear and trembling. It says that in verse 11, and great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Church discipline is a thing that no one ever wants to think about. But it's important for a church to help someone that is in habitual, unrepentant sin. We have probably all been a part of a church where someone was doing something that was wrong and everybody knew about it and nobody wanted to deal with it. Maybe people even left the church because it was undealt with. That's not God's plan. It's important for a church to deal with its sin. It hinders the gospel. It hinders the moving of the Holy Spirit when we let these things go because we're too scared to deal with it. And we aren't being loving to that person that's in, it, in that sin either. Love has the hard conversations. Now, if a church was supposed to have no sinners at all, all of us would be in trouble. So this is specifically about unrepentant sin that someone refuses to get right about and repent. Repentance is the goal of church discipline. In Matthew 18, verse 15, Jesus tells us how to deal with sin in the church. The first thing that needs to happen is a private conversation. There's no need to make a situation bigger than it needs to be. And if repentance happens, praise the Lord. It's over. Most situations never make it past that part. Here at CBC, we have a church discipline procedure that follows the steps of this passage. And if the person is still unrepentant about their sin... Next you go with two or or three other trusted spiritual leaders to go with you. And if there's repentance, then it's over. Praise God. We get to get past it. But if not, lastly, you bring it to the church body. That's very uncommon for it to get to this level. But even here, repentance is the point of this whole process. But if they still refuse to repent, the last step is them choosing their sin over being part of the church family but even then you're hoping for repentance and these are sobering thoughts that people don't like to deal with i don't like to talk about things that cause fear to come over a church things that cause us to search our own hearts for any unrepentant sin. But this church goes on here after dealing with this sin, and the church continues to explode in growth. And when you see this and know what the Bible tells us to do, it makes you wonder how many churches are being held back by their unwillingness to obey Scripture over hard things, like dealing with their own sin in a loving and a biblical way. Love has the hard conversations. Here in Acts, the Holy Spirit is on the move. And every time the church makes gains, the devil's right there to try and knock it off course. But God is faithful and far more powerful. And Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against this church from the outside or from the inside when opposition comes. No weapon fashioned against us will stand. And ultimately, Christ has the victory. We see in in these passages, the apostles are doing signs and miracles through the works of the Holy Spirit to authenticate this message before they could check these preachers against Scripture. And they have this boldness before these large crowds and even the religious elite. And even in the face of opposition, in the face of prison, they continue to preach. And even when sin creeps into the church, they confront it and they deal with it in a loving and a biblical way. God is on the move and nothing's going to stop this church that is living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing was ever easy for the early church. Things were hard. But when the church is unified and the members understand that they're intended to be full participants, doing their part, carrying their share, dealing with their sin, loving God and loving people and going, caring about each other and those outside the church, then nothing would ever stop it. And this is how a small regional following of a man that only lived 33 years and faced persecution, imprisonment and death took over the world to become the biggest religion ever. It wasn't an accident because it was God. And this is the same formula how we make a difference in our community today. Unified, full participants, Not puffing ourselves up spiritually and looking down on others. Quick to repent. Loving God, loving people, and going empowered by the Holy Spirit. If we would do that, then nothing could stop us either. Because this is what it looks like when you take the gospel and you act it out. Every head's bowed and eyes closed. Perfect opportunity For us to search our hearts for any sin. Pastor Phil, are you telling us that God's going to strike us dead? No. God did this to show how he felt about this type of stuff. It is serious, though. It is something that we need to look at and say, God, am I standing in need of repentance today? Is there anything in my heart? Is there any bitterness? Is there things that I'm not letting go of? Is there some habitual sin in my life? Pornography or or, uh, drunkenness or or anything? Is there something that's in my heart right now that I need to get right today? Because I don't want to hold back what God's doing. Let's take a moment and search our hearts right now. God, is there any sin? Is there someone I need to go and get right with? Is there something I need to confess to somebody? Am I pulling in a different direction? Am I making it about me? God, humble us today. God, root out any pride and stubbornness. God, search my heart right now for sin. as we continue in this attitude of prayer and if you're dealing with God right now you can just keep it keep it going we don't want to get past this or maybe you're here today and you're not sure that you're a Christian you're not sure you're a follower of Jesus yet and you're okay with church and, and you're okay with the idea of God and, and Jesus is a good teacher and all that kind of stuff we just read today no man can get to God except through Jesus. That's a big statement, right? You can't leave Jesus out of this equation. This is the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three in one, and it makes no sense on our level. You can't deny a part of the Trinity and say you serve the same God. That God sent Jesus Christ His Son to fix our problem of sin. Sin isn't a new problem. It's plagued humanity since the very beginning. And every hurt and pain and terrible thing that you see happening in the world today is a result of sin. And sin is us choosing our way over God's way. God made a way that that would not separate us forever and eternity. And that way is Jesus. God in the flesh, got off the throne in heaven to be born of a virgin and to live a perfect and a holy life for 33 years. He did miracles. He taught. He told us what we needed to know. And then he laid down his life on a cross as a sacrifice. Paying our sin debt Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You need to know that you're a sinner. You need to know there's a penalty for your sin, a separation from a holy God. You need to accept Jesus Christ as the only way to get to God. You can call out right now. Words aren't important. It's not a magic prayer. Put your faith in Christ right now. Ask Him to forgive you of your sin. Repent. Turn away from it. Put your faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Ask Him to save you and rescue you. Let's stand. Let's continue to allow God to search our hearts for any sin. If you made that choice to become a follower of Jesus today, write that on your connection card. On the back, just write, I chose Jesus. Let's sing. Let's worship a holy God. And as we see and recognize how holy he is, we see how unholy we are. Let's let God search our heart with open hands and let go of anything that stands between us and him today.